Oh. All right, let's try this again. Uh, starting a new space. Invited people to rejoin. We'll see if we can get them back on and and um, <laughs> see if things sound a little bit better. Maybe we can get people to actually um, hear us this time. So we got Patrick, who just wants to jump on. Patrick, can you hear me? Can, can we hear you? Does this work? Yeah, I think it finally works, Patrick. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Glad we got it what figured out. Yeah, I never said I was technologically savvy. I like to think I am, but maybe I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I was just, um, you were kicking around the ideas about uh, the projections or expectations for this year. And I was just thinking the way this front office maybe likes to play this with the Ramirez deal, which is great news, obviously. And guys like Arias, Valera, uh, even Rocchio, maybe, you know, coming 2023, 2024. And then I think I saw um, our starting rotation as it's currently assembled is controlled through like 2025, 2026 plus Espino plus Gavin Williams. It's like that window is really more competitive maybe in 20, you know, 23 through 25 um, with some of those big guys, you know, if Arias really pans out, he could be a stud shortstop. You know, if, if Valera comes up in the next two years, plus you have Jose still in his prime, hopefully Fran Mill, you know, so I don't know that, you know, my expectations for 2022 change much. You know, I kind of agree with what you guys were saying. I think you said 75 to 85 wins uh, if if people stay healthy. But I feel like probably the addition of a, of a name like a Reynolds or um, somebody else might be like a 23 or a 24 where they really push harder when those young guys start to come to fruition. That was what I wanted to add. Yeah, it could definitely be better, right? I mean, they it does change things going into the season, how they operate. Because like we said, I think that they've kind of picked a lane here going forward and they have a chance to make some moves uh, based off of the Ramirez extension. They don't, like you said, they don't have to worry about third base. They can uh, bring Arias along. They could trade him. They could trade one of their middle infielders. They have a lot of options now and they wouldn't have had some of these options had they not re-signed Ramirez. I think all the season you would have just heard yeah, they didn't trade him. I don't know. I, I'm convinced they were going to trade him this morning if they didn't extend him. I'm still pretty convinced of that. Um, so they would have had to pick a lane regardless. But even if they didn't, they would have had this hanging over their head all year. And now they have a good chance to, you know, even like I said, even if they are still a 75 to 85 win team, 
um, depending on where they are. They don't need to be contenders to make a move this summer. They can be more like the Rays and be opportune and who they're buying and or who they're trading for and build, like you said, for 20, for 2024, 2025 and get some of these young players up. And now they got a chance to make room for some of them knowing that third base is kind of locked down. They can make their decisions based off of that. So I, I feel like there's reason to be more excited for the season, even though they're not any better today than they were yesterday. I feel like there's more reason to be excited about that. Um, just because you know where you kind of know where the, what direction the future is going in finally. And it seems to be a good one. And you're keeping a pretty darn good player here for the next several years, which we have not seen. So definitely a lot of uh, excitement, even though they didn't necessarily improve the team today, which is definitely a good thing. Yeah. Joe mentioned it too. Maybe, I don't know, just as exciting, but very exciting to me is that Quan is getting a start. Uh, Francona hasn't typically done that with a young player. Um, not just throwing Mark Mercado and Zimmer out there just because they're out of options. Um, I love the idea of giving Quan some regular at bats, hopefully, and that that opens. You know, to me, it feels like it opens the gates to some of these really top of the organization young guys like Arias, like Quan Palacios. Um, that, that's really exciting in the short term, too. Yeah, getting Quan at bats on day one, because look, Francona said, and I know Joe was, talk, was on the uh, the calls with the team, that they said that Quan was not going to play early on. Not, he wasn't going to play a whole lot in April, which is you know was a disappointing and surprising comment, but I guess not totally surprising given their history of how they've played young players. Now they haven't, except for maybe Tyler Naquin, but... Uh, finding out he's going to be starting tomorrow. And I think this was kind of the writing on the wall too. And Joe, maybe you can can offer a different perspective or um, correct me, but the last couple of games in spring training, Bradley Zimmer was playing off the bench quite a bit. He was not in the starting lineup for a lot of games, even the split squad games. He didn't, he didn't start against Colorado. He didn't start against Arizona and that's just spring training. So you really can't read too much into it, but I, I don't know. I read into a little bit that he wasn't really getting a whole lot of starting at bats and, Francona is not really known for calling out his players in press conferences very much. He is pretty even keeled, doesn't like to say anything to the media that he wouldn't say to the player in person or that he doesn't have a conversation with first. So maybe he said this to them behind closed doors already, but, you know, he told, he said to Bobby Bradley earlier in the year or last week about how um, he needs to do more. And I think that's definitely true. But he also said to uh, Bradley Zimmer earlier in, in this uh, spring training too about him um, going up there, and he said something to the effect that he's been up there 18 times. Not a whole lot of things have worked. Um, those are kind of pointed comments that you just don't hear him make a whole lot, and um, I think that leads some puts some credence to the fact they were interested in Matt Olson before he got traded to the Braves too. So as far as the Bobby Bradley thing is concerned, but. I, I, I would hope it's a case that Stephen Kwan just does so good in his first couple at bats that it's literally impossible to move him elsewhere because look, Bradley or uh, Josh Naylor is coming back at some point. And who's gonna go for him? We don't know. It could be Stephen Kwan, but uh you hope that he plays so good they can't send him back. Yeah, and you kind of hit the uh nail right in the head there. That was actually one of the things that I was wanting to get into was, you know, one of the things that uh Tito talked about in the press conference today was uh, Josh Naylor is probably is going to have about 
six games of uh, rehab assignment with the Columbus Clippers. Right now they're in Lehigh Valley playing the Iron Pigs. You know, minor league series are six games that go from Tuesday to Sunday. And, you know, is a possibility that Naylor is, you know, optimistic thinking. There is a hope that he'll be ready for San Francisco, which is the uh, home opener series. You know, but that does raise a question of when Naylor does come back. And when Naylor comes back, he will most likely start the year in right field. You know, what does that mean for, you know, who gets sent down? And, you know, as you mentioned before, it's been really tough for people to have at least the first or last name of Bradley uh, during the uh, spring training. You know, Bradley Zimmer last year had a 33% strikeout rate which is in the bottom 1% of all hitters that were uh, measured in baseball and the MLB last year. And this spring training, it's not shown any improvement. In fact, it's actually worse than it was last year. So, you know, Bradley Zimmer is a former first-round pick of the guard of Cleveland in 24, uh, I believe it was 2014. And, you know, he's a very good athlete, makes a lot of good plays uh, at center field. But as soon as they got a better center fielder in Miles Straw, Miles Straw became the uh, everyday center fielder, and we'll talk about him in a little bit because he is, you know, been one of the best moves that Cleveland has made over the last few years at the deadline, and that kind of makes up for the horrible trade of Eddie Rosario last year. Um, but, you know, for Zimmer, he's kind of, if Naylor gets called up, I don't think he gets sent down. I think he gets released at this point because he's 29 and even though he just did sign an extension, I really don't see how much more patience the Guardians have with him if he continues this. Yeah, they definitely got some other things. Patrick, real quick, I'm going to move on to some other people. Patrick, what do you? What's your record for the Guardians, and where do you think they finish in the division? Oh boy, I'm going to say they're about right on where they were last year. What 80 and 82, I think, around there. Um, third or fourth. Is probably realistic. I think the White Sox are pretty easily the best team on paper, at least in the division. And then uh, Tigers are twins. Um, so probably, you know, we'd be fighting for the third spot, in my opinion. That sounds about right. I think we, Joe and I both have them in fourth, but could easily see them in third, could easily see them in second. We'll see. All right, Patrick, thanks for uh, for joining us. All right, Spencer, let's finally tag you in. It's been all night. You've been waiting, and I feel like this has to work this time. Spencer, can you finally hear us? Oh, my God, it actually works. Spencer, what's How's up, man? How's it going, buddy? It's good to hear your wonderful voice. Are you more jazzed up today than you were yesterday, even though the team is not any better? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say getting Quan uh, in the starting lineup and seeing the tribe double what they spend on Edwin was a positive step in the right direction for sure. So even though they're probably, well, anything could happen throughout the season, but even though, even though they're the same team they were yesterday, now that you know, Jose Ramirez isn't going anywhere and he's going to be here for the next seven years, we think for sure, at least um, definitely more excited to watch than you were yesterday. Absolutely. 
I mean, you see it by the way that we text in our uh, group chat. One day it's a uh, tribe's about to win 69 games and then one small move can happen. And you're like, oh, they could probably be 500 this year. So it goes up and down. So it depends on the moves that they make. But I would say pretty optimistic for today, considering that they've never spent money like that before. Yeah, I'm still I'm still pretty surprised that they that Jose Ramirez took that deal. I mean, Again, we've talked about it. I, I just don't think that if you would have told me this was the contract that Jose Ramirez was going to sign for, I don't think I would have believed it. I would have said if that's the money that, that's on the table, there's no way he's signing and he was going to be traded. But that, that's the only thing that kept him here, really. It's not like, you know, yeah, that they put they put up the money they did for him, which is great, but it's not like they if they were forced to pay what he's worth on the open market, Jose Ramirez is not a Cleveland guardian. He's not the face of the franchise, which is pretty amazing that he wanted to stay. And that, that I think that makes things better in all this. I think that we're all more excited. Like I keep saying, the team's not any better now than they were yesterday, but you have a guy who clearly directed his agent to find a deal that worked for the team, wanted to stay, asked for a no trade clause. So he couldn't be traded. I think that makes everybody feel better because we all love Cleveland and, it's nice to hear one of the best players they've had in the last 20 years, 30 years actually take less money and choose to stay and not want to get traded. I think that's what makes us better. Yeah. I mean, you had the article by Zach, which kind of detailed how the contract negotiations were going besides the part that was left out, how Jose's agent was sending fake trade rumors to basically everybody who could listen uh, to try to get some more money out of the tribe. But, uh, you know, Jose basically, you know, was talking to his mom. He's like, hey, I'm about to make like nine figures. Uh, They talked that no trade clause into it so he could stay. uh, And it kind of worked itself out. I mean, he would have made probably double the money, at least 80 million more on the open market, which is insane to think about. But he did really take what you would call that hometown discount to stay. For seven years, I think there's a lot of familiarity of just trying to stay here. I don't think he really wanted to go anywhere else. Uh, I was actually very nervous about a trade there for a second for probably about six hours. So I'm just glad it's not on the table anymore. Yeah, I was too. Like I said, I felt like it was a trade this morning or it was a an extension. It was a good one for sure. They've definitely started to choose a lane here. Um, Spencer, we didn't get your predictions this year, but uh, where, are you got, where do you got the Guardians finishing and what record right now? Uh, so I think it always comes down to start in baseball. So if the start is slow, uh, I think they kind of just fizzle it out and bring more people up. I mean, I think Bobby Bradley goes by the wayside, you know, some of the outfielders who have no more shots go by the wayside and the younger you go while they'll play better will cause them growing pains. So you're probably looking at a low 70 win season. If they can play 500 ball going into June and they decide to make a move for someone who can hit the ball and some of the prospects are working out. I could probably see high 70s, low 80s, but I'm like with everybody else, probably third place in the division. Um, I'm really not on the Twins train ever until they learn how to pitch the ball. So until they learn how to pitch, uh, I'm not on their train. Yeah, I learned my lesson. I picked the – well, I didn't learn my lesson. I picked the Twins to win the World Series last year, and it it bit me pretty good because obviously they were pretty terrible. And I have them – the second best team in the division in the last playoff spot in the AL. So I guess I haven't learned yet, but yeah, I was going to say that rotation <laughs> doesn't really get me going at all. So I think it's going to bite you in the butt again. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Joe, what are you going to say? Yeah. If I could chime in for a second. Yeah. That was kind of the, when I was deciding between, if I wanted to pick the Tigers or the twins, um, 
for who was going to be that two spot in the AL Central and who ended up would make the playoffs. You know, the biggest thing that came down to me is, you know, pitching. And, you know, Minnesota doesn't have Jose Barreas or a lot of the pitchers that they used to have, you know. But, you know, Detroit has two very young, promising pitchers in Casey Mize and, you know, Manning. So they got some people that can go to the rotation. Of course, they have prospects coming up. Spencer Torgelson and Riley Green. And then, of course, they just got off to Meadows. They signed Javier Baez and Free. So they definitely added some pieces to make them a little bit more of a contender. And, you know, but one of the things that I kind of wanted to ask and bring up is, you know, you guys alluded to it a little bit earlier on, but looking at some of these teams, there isn't, it's really either you're contending now or you're rebuilt or like you're already in the rebuilding phase. There's no team that's pot that I really see as like a certified seller. Like last year, you could see with the Cubs going into the year that they probably were going to be a seller around the deadline. But looking at this now, I don't really see a team that uh, would be willing to sell around the deadline. I guess the biggest, the most, the team that I think will probably sell a piece would be the Diamondbacks, and that would be Kettle Marte. Uh, but like, you know, unless everything goes wrong for like a team like the Brewers or the Cardinals, I don't see them trying to trade away assets. Yeah, I don't think the Brewers are trading anybody, and Kettle Marte signed an extension, so I, I feel like he's he's staying in Arizona. They're trying to push forward a little bit. Um, we had Brian Brian Shaw on here who wants to talk, not the reliever Brian Shaw, but I know um, <laughs> you're all just Brian Shaw was wanted to chime in. So Brian, if you still want to jump in, uh, feel free, man. Brian, you there? Well, he's there, but he's muted right now. Brian, I know you host your own podcast. I feel like you should know how to turn your speaker on, right? Sorry, man. You you cut out there for a little <laughs> bit, and I and I missed my 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 pop in. Uh, I've only done a podcast for uh, like one session, so <laughs> I may not know how to do it. I'm used to like live broadcasts where I don't have to <laughs> unmute and mute my own mic kind of thing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad you hosted this. Um, it, it's 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 cool to, to get a few people together and talk some some Guardians baseball. Um, I, I try not to be as as high and low on a lot of things as what I seem to see on Twitter when it comes to anything sports. So <laughs> while this is like hugely exciting, I I was not believing anything when it came to rumors of trades or. Um, the, the leaks of the contract seemed to be very obvious that they were coming from their, from the agent. And it, the, the premise was to get the fan base riled up and in a tizzy and it absolutely worked. Uh, like Twitter <laughs> was in a, a huge uproar that anytime there was a rumor about anything, when it comes to Jose, it was not in the guardian's favor. Um, you even had Paul Hoynes who was saying that this, this, deal was dead in the water. Um, I had said, and it, I didn't get a lot of replies, but I didn't understand what the Padres interest in Jose, how that was any different than the Blue Jays interest in Jose, which was basically all off season. Just because a team was interested in him didn't mean that he was more likely to be dealt. Um, I have a lot of interest in getting a Tesla. doesn't mean I can afford one. <laughs> 
Um, so like it, it, it's, it, it's just one of those things. Um, so I think, I think the team's method for this year is they, they really want to evaluate these young guys when they weren't able to get Jesse Winker um, or Matt Olson. I think they, they pivoted to, you know what, let's, let's see who we have in this young, younger squad and these up and comers because they have a slew of them. And I do think that once they get some big league view on these guys for the first couple of months and evaluate them, then I think they're going to make some moves at the deadline because they had intent to spend some money and to make some trades when it came to Olsen and Winker that would have improved the squad quite a bit. Um, the uh, Matt Olson got a monster deal when, when he was dealt. And I'm surprised that to hear after the fact that the guardians were even involved in that trade, considering how much of a deal that he did get. So I do think that there is intention to, to try. And then when, when, especially with the Winker deal, the, the, the kicker was Suarez and they didn't want to take on that contract for a guy that hits like 210, 220. Um, and so I, I do think that they're going to figure out the middle infield, whether it's Yu Chang or uh, Ernie Clement and Owen Miller and you know, Gabriel Arias and you know, all these slew of guys that they have there. And same thing when it comes to the corner outfield spots, is it going to be Quan and Rosario? Are they going to DFA Zimmer? Cause I think he's out of options. I think Zimmer can't get sent down. I'm pretty sure this is it for him. Same thing with Bobby Bradley. Yep. This is it for him too. If he doesn't come around in the next couple of weeks, both of those guys are going to get cut outright because they don't have options. So I think once they kind of really figure that out, um, I think that they will make attempts to make some moves like a Miles Straw kind of deal where it may not necessarily make them a playoff contender for this year, but it makes them, it pushes them towards next year and, and uh, gives fans something to really be excited about. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that's what we've been kind of saying all along here is it feels like they've definitely sort of picked a lane and they're going to be young this year. They know they're going to be young. I think Franconi even said, you know, I think we're, we know we're going to get younger once some of these guys come up. I do think at some point they move on from Zimmer. I mean, the, the real fear is that they're going to stick with him when Naylor comes back and send Quan back to play every day in AAA. But in reality, that shouldn't happen. But I, I don't know. I, I do, like I said, don't read too much into spring training, but I do feel like the fact that he really hasn't started any games, he's been coming off the bench in spring training, and he's been playing garbage time. Um, that makes me think that he's really not in their plans too far going forward, and maybe they feel like Quan's up here out of necessity but early on, and they want to let him settle in at some point. But even if they do hang on to Zimmer for – a couple weeks, uh, a month, because I think Naylor only needs six games, mm-hmm. Joe said, um, was the plan for his rehab. I I have a hard time seeing Zimmer being around for yeah. much of May baseball in Cleveland. Unless If he's still here, that means he must have figured something out. But based on how his spring went and, and Tito's comments of him, um, he hasn't figured anything out at this point. So I don't think he's going to be around much longer. But 
I don't know. I, I've been asking everybody so far, you know, we've been talking about them picking a lane. Do you feel better about the team today than you did yesterday, even though they haven't made any other real improvements yet? So I, I don't feel better about the team directionally because I don't think they were trading Jose this year anyway. What I feel better about is I think it takes away a lot of the negativity um, of just just the, the constant uh, cloud over their head about Jose so that we don't have a repeat of the Lindor and the enjoy him and, well, what's it matter because you're going to trade him anyway. And you're still actually seeing some of that. Like people are thinking that they, they hope they – extended Jose just so that he was more tradable, which doesn't make any sense, especially because he has the no trade clause. Um, so I feel better in that aspect. And I do think that if, if you had moved Jose, your attendance is going to be lower either way. I think this year, but you, it probably really would have bottomed out. So there's just a better aura around the team, if that makes sense. Um, I, I I still had the team probably in the mid to low 80s when it came to wins because let's not forget that last year Tito missed half the season. Shane Bieber missed half the season. Uh, Zach Plezak ripped his shirt off and broke his finger. Um, Aaron Savali missed a couple of months with the sprained finger. Fran Mill missed, uh, I think, a month and a half with the strained oblique. And they still won 80 games with with guys like J.C. Mejia, who lost, I don't know, like seven, eight games for you and had an ERA of like seven, who's not even on the team anymore and didn't didn't need to be starting baseball games. So if they can stay healthy, health alone should make you just as equally as good as you were last year because you were so beat up and 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 your your key pieces were missing a large portion of the season and somehow you still managed to win 80 games. So um in in terms of how I feel about the team I don't I don't think it's necessarily any different when, when it's uh comes to win loss but uh it's it's definitely a good step forward and I think kind of like what you had alluded to uh, earlier in, in this one or in the, the, the recording that I, the piece of the recording I heard in the last one of um, it allows them to kind of have a, a direction that, yeah, now you have Jose locked up and let's, let's make this team a contender. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's be clear here and, and anybody can chime in if they, if they feel differently, Brian Spencer, or Joe, but, um, this this is definitely exciting. There's reason to be excited. I mean, we we have not seen this this franchise ever hand out a contract like this. I mean, they've they've handed out. I want to say Travis Hafner's extension was his second extension, and obviously that fell apart. We've seen the the Nick Swish and Michael Bourne deals. We saw Carlos Carrasco take an, two extremely under market deals, and this is a second under market deal for Jose Ramirez. But I think ho- hopefully this is how it goes. Hopefully. They realize the fact that who and who knows what's going to happen with the David Blitzer thing. I think it's coming soon, but we don't, you know, we haven't really heard much lately. But um, I hope they take advantage of the fact that Jose Ramirez is making way below what he would have made on the open market. I think for sure he would have gotten um, 180 to 200 million dollars if he would hit the open market, especially right now. If they would have traded him and somebody maybe would have offered an extension upon trading him, 
Um, they need to take advantage of this. They need to realize that they finally signed, got a very good player signed long-term, a cornerstone franchise piece that fans love. And he's here because he wanted to be here and he's, he's playing for way less than he, he really would have to. Um, they need to go out and make this team better. And that, whether they do that through um, getting these young guys playing time and, and, getting the next core around him or trading and trading. So the ones that aren't on the team for legitimate players, they need around him as well. They need to take advantage of this. So I have a reason to be excited, but you know, like you said, this is, this is good, but it's not the end. They, they absolutely need to supplement the rest of this roster. And I think, right. I think this gives them a chance to do that, but I think the pressure should be on for them to do that because, you know, I, I mean, who knows what Ramirez is think he wanted to stay in Cleveland, but, I'm sure he wants to win too. And I, I, you know, I think they need to do everything they can to take advantage of the fact that they've got him in an under market deal and not just say, Hey, we signed the franchise player. So we're going to call it a day. Um, they need to, to make this team better around him, whether that's their young players or, you know, anything else. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the payroll is kind of just a, like I know it's a big talking point and 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 people are irritated with it and 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 the lack of moves and everything. but i I just think it's a function of the retooling that this team has done because now you have so many younger guys that are ready to go, but that's what you've been building towards the past several years with the trade of Lindor, the trade of Bauer, the trade of Clevenger. Look at that Clevenger trade. And look at how many pieces that they got that are currently contributing um, to this team. It was uh, Quantrill, Hedges, um, Owen Miller, and I think Arias. Mm-hmm. And Josh Naylor. And, and, and Josh Naylor. So, yeah. So, like, that that's, that's an insane deal um, for uh, – for a guy who hasn't pitched for the Padres really yet and is what their fourth or fifth starter. He's hurt right now. He's not going to start the season with them. He uh, has a knee injury. So this is a, this is the third injury he's had yeah. since joining the Padres. So, yeah. so I, I, I just think it's a kind of, it, it's, it's, it's just the way that the team has, has been retooled. And like I said, there was intent to get other guys. There was intent to, to sign or trade players, um, and it just didn't work out for them. They then pivoted and said, all right, let's see what we have with the young guys. So I would be really surprised that if in the next two years, if they still don't spend, then I'll, then I'll get on that bandwagon and, and, you know, be like Dolan's cheap. But if, if, if they, if they, if this rebuild is in the mold that I think Antonetti and Chernoff see it, um, I do think that you're going to start to see a big influx of a, let's see what the young guys can do. And then B let's take this plethora of talent that we have and, and trade it for some, some better pieces in spots that we're lacking. Yeah, that's definitely the direction they need to go in for sure. And, and, you know, like I said, the honeymoon for this will, will they'll have a honeymoon for this, but it will, I think wear off if they don't make improvements. And then that has to come through either the young players getting a chance and, and establishing themselves or making trades of them to bring in pieces around Jose. And like you said, they, they don't need to be contenders this year to make a move like Miles straw or 
um, anything even beyond that. They can they can make moves for the next couple of years based off this this extension and and the system they have. So yeah, this is why I, having a direction is good. This is why it's so I, good not to feel like they're in purgatory. I have to say, one move that I'm super irritated that they didn't make was the the Meadows trade. That was like right in their wheelhouse, and I don't see, I can't see how they didn't pull the trigger on that one if unless they didn't know. Uh, because he's he's four million this year, and then two more years of arbitration for an all star outfielder, and the trade was for like a like an average middle infielder. Uh, like the, I, they could have pulled that one off. That one that one boggles my mind. Some of the other trades I get because because of the amount of assets that were given up, and because of the amount of money that it took to sign some of those guys after the trades. But the Meadows one. That that one that one bugs me a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing is they were waiting to figure out what was going to happen with Jose. Because look, if they don't, if they if they got to a point where they weren't going to re-sign him, Meadows doesn't make a ton of sense. I know he's got some control after this, but I don't think you really need to bring Meadows in if you don't have Jose Ramirez. So you're going in a different direction. So I think that's something that maybe was the hold up there, and it was just bad timing. Um, well, I definitely agree. They might be burned the by trading been, the race. The same could have been said for Winker or or Olsen too. Like if you traded for Olsen, if or, or if you traded for Winker and you didn't know for sure if Jose was going to stay, like then what was the point of trading for those guys? Well, I think at that point of the offseason, they wouldn't have really cared about it because it was still early enough where I see they, really, okay. they hadn't been deep enough in talks with Ramirez. They could have just said, well. We have guys around him. We're just going to give it a go this year, and then if we don't sign him, we'll trade him in the offseason. You still have that cloud hanging over your head, but the fact they were so close with Ramirez towards the end of camp, I think that probably made things a little bit tougher. If that if that trade had popped up around the time the Winker trade popped up, um, I think there's a possibility that could have happened, but I think maybe the time – I don't know for sure. I'm just guessing, but um, I think the timing probably played into that. But, again, they they have been burned on trades of the Rays before. I think the – the Jordan Lupla for Peyton Battenfield trade is going to work out good, but they completely screwed up two trades with them. Um, I forget who they gave him Ruben Cardenas for Hunter Wood and Christian Arroyo, who uh, Hunter Wood pitched a couple innings for them, and Christian Arroyo um, had one, one defensive inning for them. And then they obviously traded Gandhi Diaz for Jake Bowers, and that was a flop. So they're, they, I think they're a little burned trading with the Rays at this point. Yeah, don't forget that the Yandi trade was partially to to get rid of the Edwin contract and to bring back uh, Carlos Montana. Um, the Christian Arroyo, like he he's with the Red Sox now, right? Yeah, he's. Well, I guess he's kind of the utility guy now because they signed Trevor Story. But yeah, he's still there, and he was okay last year. Yeah, I, I mean, none of none of those guys are making. I don't know. They're 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 not they're not putting butts in the seats per se. <laughs> so no. uh, you you could you could say that those weren't great trades, but uh, it's. I mean, and and from from an aspect of 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 um, the Astros, Phil Maton looked worlds better with the Astros than he ever did with the Indians, and and while yeah, like Miles Straw. Had looked that looks like a great trade for us, um, but what the Astros did with Phil Maton, but but I'm sure that they probably also feel like that was a win for them. 
I think that was a win-win for both. I, I'm not surprised at all that Phil Maton was better with them. I, I, I called it the moment it happened just because it's the Astros and who knows what they got going on down there. But I, I, I thought for sure he'd be better with them, and he was. But maybe that was more consistent pitching, more consistent outings than he got here. So I'm not surprised by that at all. But you're right on the trying to get rid of Edwin's contract too way back then. All right, let's get some. Brian, thanks for tuning in. I, I wanted to ask, I don't get ever asked you on Twitter for this, but um, how often do you get tweets looking for the reliever? Or um, you should see my pinned tweet. <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I, no, I it's constant. Know. It's absolutely constant. Uh, it hasn't been as much in years past because I think people have really caught on to the joke. Um, and, and I've been a little more established in the area now. Um, but when I first came home in like 17 and 18, it was, it was a constant just slew of just like, Hey, uh, you suck. And thanks for blowing the world series and all sorts of stuff. Wow. It says WX. Like, it's not like, <laughs> but when you type, when you, thing. yeah, when you type Brian Shaw, though, like if you just do at and you start typing Brian Shaw, like I'm the first one that comes up, he doesn't. That's got to be interesting. <laughs> Man. Well, hopefully people can re- learn to read a little better, comprehend a little better. And hopefully he pitches well this year so they can stay out of your, your mentions for anything too negative hey, but he, he did pretty good last year for most of the year I, I i just think it's fun at this point and and i have had some people tell me that they do have a little fun with it like at signing sessions they'll they'll mess with him and they'll be like they'll yell at him about getting the weather wrong um, oh, that's hilarious. um and 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 i've met him uh a couple times like him and i have talked since he was actually on the diamondbacks um i have a signed uh diamondbacks jersey from him um, cause I was working in Buffalo at the time and, um, I was getting, there was like a, there was some sort of like auto tweeting going on from some, like a roto world kind of type. And I was getting tagged in all these. So I, I discovered that he was with the diamondbacks at the time. And so as a joke, uh, I sent to the clubhouse, like a signed headshot of myself to him, not knowing if he ever got it. And then he got traded to the Indians and um, John Sable, who's at, at Channel 8 now, him and I were, were chatting on Twitter and, and we were talking uh, during the 2013 season. And I had said like, oh, you know, I'm going to get a I'm going to get a Brian Shaw jersey. I, I have to. Right. And um, he had somehow saw that and uh, replied. And then um, I had asked him, I said, hey, did you ever get my signed headshot? And he joked and he laughed and he said that he did. And then he said, I, I have something for you too. And he sent it uh, to the station in, in Buffalo. That's awesome. Wow. Cool connection. Yeah. That's so cool. I've, 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 I've been chatting with him for a while. He mainly stays off social media as you can imagine why, but uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a good dude. Yeah. If I was an athlete too, I would never go on. I would post something and then never look at my replies. Cause yikes, <laughs> that's not any fun. Well, thanks for chiming in with us tonight, man. I appreciate you listening in and and uh, you know sharing your thoughts with us. All good stuff. You're you're right. You definitely stay very even keel, and I think that was really important through this whole um, up and down journey that was the Jose Ramirez uh, extension saga. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, and it was good to talk to you.
Yeah, you too. We'll do this again soon. All right, we've been Arthur's been trying to get in on here. Would you add Arthur to the chat? Got Pat trying to jump in here. We'll get Pat on here. Joe's still hanging around. Pat, what's up, man? Oh, there's Pat's not on again. Okay, Arthur, how's it going? And how are you? Doing pretty good. Pat, can you hear us now finally? Yeah. Can we oh, hear I'm you? Happy to hear you guys now. All right. All right. Arthur, what was your what was your first thought with the Brian Shaw? Right. <laughs> I just said Brian Shaw. We've been talking to Brian this whole time. Oh, geez. Uh, what was your first thought with the Jose Ramirez extension? Um, I was thinking, okay, it's the day before opening day, and, and Jeff Passion got hacked again. <laughs> that was my first thought. I, I checked. I was tweeting right when it happened, and I checked your DM, and you said the same exact thing. As I tweet at the same time, yeah. I said someone hacked Jeff Passon again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think the major positive coming out of this is that uh, it looks like there is some money coming into the organization, probably from Blitzer buying into the team. So that gives some hope about the team having some more resources going forward. Arthur, your your prediction was that the Guardians would finish in second place in the Central, and you have them as your um, fifth seed in the playoffs this year. Does the Jose signing change that for you at all? Uh, no, I've got about the same place because um, my thought is um, I tend to be, a, until I see something, I tend to be a little, and so I'm not necessarily convinced that there's a much in this division outside of the south side of Chicago. So, um, the, especially now, though, if they are putting themselves in a position where they've where there's a little more incentive to build around it, they, uh, the core they have now, I was thinking that they could easily come in uh, second in this just by being not as bad, just by staying a little bit above 500. And I'm, I'm still, until I actually see something more consistently from Detroit or Kansas City or Minnesota, I'm not particularly sold on any of those three right now. Yeah, the division's for sure up grabs. Pat, I'm glad to see that you have not gotten too big to join us on the GBI chats. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those who have, have listened before or have followed any of the work. Uh, Pat, Pat, why don't you tell them where you're at now? You're no longer, well, I don't know. Are you no longer writing with us? Are you officially moved on from us? Um, I, I guess I have. Um, I, I guess this will be it where I, I officially move on because, you know, um, there was a lot of um, waiting itself to lock out and, and things like that, complicating a lot of different things. Um, so um, right now, um, I work for Baseball Respectors covering prospects and um, minor league prospects and also um, – work for um major league baseball and a little bit more of a behind the scenes role um doing research and writing and stuff like that without to be writers with the coverage and stuff so it's um it's nothing real major or anything like that for now um it's more so of a stepping stone um to me doing something greater um but it's yeah, a big stuff bro it's good to be here um you know it's always good to be with you guys um you know and always good to um 
I, I'm always gonna kind of consider myself a part of the team, no matter whether I'm writing here or not. Just, just um, this is where I got my start. Um, I'm really proud of the work that I did. Um, at Guardians Baseball Insider. Um, I, uh, I know it's gonna set a test of time. Um, so I'm happy with what I did, and I'm happy. Um, I got to um, have a free experience coming professional baseball with you guys. So thank you. Yes, you will always be part of the team whenever you feel like it, or you can always call yourself part of the team. And I predicted a year ago that when you came aboard that you would be where you are now. So not surprised at all, and I'm, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Thank um, you. I wouldn't be here without you, man. You know, you, you, you've been a huge help, whether it be the opportunity or just um, all your guidance and stuff over the past year. And um, and, and also it's become friends over that past year, too. So So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been great. Um, how are you? Are you feeling any different today with the Jose extension as far as regarding season and being more interested in watching or just feeling better about the direction of the franchise, even though as of today, they're not necessarily a better team? So just to preface um, my answer, um, when Jose Ramirez is my favorite player at Red Team, um, he's probably the, the best player I've seen in, in my um, in my lifetime, you know, we, being born in 1998, he's, he's definitely the best player I've seen wear a Guardians uniform, and he's probably the second or third best player to see wear a Cleveland uniform in general. So that says a lot about him um, to put him up there with, with LeBron and, and CeCe. So um, f- for me, um, I, w- I was really optimistic about it getting done just because I felt like Jose was adamant and that was one thing that was consistent from the beginning to end and even last year and beforehand um, when, when when these conversations were happening. Um, also felt like um, with Jose, with him being 31 and him having a couple years left of control, um, the team, the team kind of knew this was that important juncture to where they can kind of find the middle ground, especially with the CBA being redone, things like that. They had a really unique opportunity with Jose to be the centerpiece of a, team that's rebranding and and he likes it here so i mean it just magnifies the opportunity that he has um in a city like this which is an initiative in itself just because it's cleveland it's not going to be the most glamorous market ever for someone especially someone who makes as much money so as Aaron Ramirez does so um even though all the signs were even though the main signs um says otherwise including the behavior of the ball club and the owner who owns the ball club. Um I was really optimistic, um, even in the midst of the tweeting and stuff like that, which I try not to react to. Um and I I, I see it for the most part besides a couple of the wire memes, but I'm gonna drop those anyway, so that doesn't really count. Um but uh I honestly I had to see him finish in second before they extended Jose and I think they they will afterwards. I feel like um uh, just to echo Brian's point, you know, this team was the youngest team in baseball last year, whether it be the position player group or the pitching group, and dealt with plenty of injuries. And we're still uh, 80, we're still, what, two games below 500, and we're on the board of mediocre. So um, there's a lot going on there with that that leads you to be optimistic um, in terms of, especially with what went wrong last year. But um, I feel like if you're going to keep Jose, either. You, you fully buy into young guys like you have been starting with Quan and, and them, or you make some trades, bring in some other veteran pieces that can compliment Jose and Shane Bieber and company and Fran Mill. And you, you go about it. They have two clear, they have two clear paths they can go. And it's either one way or the other, they can't really shadow the fence because they'll get caught up in their own 40 man roster crunch amongst other things. Yeah. That is interesting to see how they're going to play the rest of the year with this 40 man roster and how they, 
make some moves and it's not even just that it's what prospects do you choose over which prospects because a lot of the prospects are immensely talented and they have very similar skill sets just and that's the credit to the farm system and things like and the sexuality and things like that and what they do and what cleveland wants and what they know they want but it's just crazy right yeah i'm really curious to see who they who they move on from because now they've got a spot locked up there's someone there was one one less position for all these infielders to fight for. So I am curious to see who they feel like is the shortstop of the future and who is the second baseman of the future. And now that third base is locked, I think they're going to be trading somebody at some point. I mean, they already moved Palacios to the outfield. Um, they've got a lot of other options there. So I would think that at some point they're going to move on from somebody, and I would think it's this year so they could maybe open up some avenues – Right, Border. they have a lot of they have a lot of moving parts right now, and uh, I don't envy them as much as I do every day. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to make those decisions either. So you said that your your position on the team hasn't changed based on the signing at all. We didn't get your predictions because I guess officially you weren't allowed to give us any. But um, where do you think they'll finish the division, and what do you think the record's going to be? Um, I think they'll finish. I think they. I think they'll finish second. Um, to me, um, I feel like people are overrating the Tigers a bit and their prospects. You know, the Tigers have had names, but they haven't been able to make guys that are their guys in the farm system stick at the top level yet. Um, so we have to see how that shoe drops. Um, the Twins are, are really similar to us. They're always going to figure out the way to compete and, and do things creatively just because they have a lot of organizational DNA inherently. So um, we can really... I expect them to be kind of be step by step with us. Um, the White Sox are are the clear leaders in the division, but um, I, I think they're really weaker than a lot of people expect them to be. Just because um, th- their GM is a bit shoddy. I don't like Rick Hahn. Um, he <laughs> he makes a lot of questionable decisions, and um, and it really bleeds over into um, how the team performs in in the worst way, and it's really funny. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they do because they can implode or or not perform at the level similar to how the Twins did last year, um, barring injury or not. Um, uh, the Royals, um, they have a reputation, but I mean we'll see. Um, I, honestly, I, I feel I'm not. The division's in a really interesting arms race, but I feel like people are really overstating how good other ball clubs are in relative to Cleveland. Um, in a sense, and I feel like they always do that with us just because it's compelling um, and it aligns with the idea that the team doesn't spend money and whatnot, and it also feeds into Jose Mir's trade rumors, which are now gone forever. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, there, there's that aspect of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be a really competitive division, but I also feel like um, – Cleveland has a good chance to be very competitive. That brings up a good point. So I'm, I'm with you on the White Sox thing. They are not in fa- they are not infallible, and I think Arthur said the same thing. There's not a lot of proven teams in this division. The, the Twins weren't exactly great last year, the, and the Royals are going to be young. The Tigers are young. The only the only two teams the Sox. in this division besides us are, I mean, only the only two teams I really trust are the Twins and the Royals. I mean. When you look at the organizations from an organizational standpoint, the Tigers and the White Sox are the weak organizations in the in the central 
when you look at and them. I mean, look at who the White Sox system is terrible. Their their farm system has completely been obliterated. Definitely, but I'm also criticizing who they have at the top too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you when you look at it, Han and Avila are definitely the the weakest GMs in this in this division. And this division and the other three GMs in this division are elite. So. Yeah, the def- other front offices are definitely interesting. I, I kind of question the Tigers front office a little bit, but they've made some good decisions this offseason, and they have a, a better farm system, so I guess they're going in the right direction I mean, again. The sun does shine on the dig dog twice a day, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of how I feel about the, about the Tigers. And they're uh, – well, they, they've capped themselves as far as spending money. I think they're probably not going to add on to their payroll. This I wonder if they get Correa after they signed Javi Baez, but just because it would have been good to see a Puerto Rican um, middle infield duo like that in Detroit to follow up um, Trammell and um, what's his face? Can't remember his name. Um, uh, Lou, Whitaker. Lou Whitaker. I'm sorry, Lou Whitaker. Um, Hall, Hall, should be Hall of Famer, Lou Whitaker. Absolutely. <laughs> should absolutely. be Hall of Famer. I, that was egregious. Let's. Uh, Let's go around. Anybody else wants to chime in, definitely let us know if you want to jump back on and, and talk about your excitement for the season and anything on Jose Ramirez and what you're thinking. But while we wait for anybody else to to speak up, let's go back around to the crew again and let's kind of go on um, prediction-wise. We'll include Pat on this since Pat didn't, wasn't able to submit online officially. But, um, Joe, you've got um, – Dodgers over the White Sox in the World Series. So, Joe, defend your World Series pick. Um, the reason that I went with the Dodgers, obviously besides getting Freddie Freeman, obviously does help a lot. But, you know, with top to bottom, the Dodgers have the best lineup in baseball. You know, when you have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, you know, Trey Turner, you know, those four alone, and then the people that they have also as well in that lineup, you know, with Will Smith and everyone, that just makes them that much better. I think they have good pitching. They did lose Max Scherzer to the Mets, but you know, I still think they can. You know, Walker Buehler is always going to be a young candidate. And then for the White Sox, that one I felt you know Giolito is going to be really good. I feel like it's make or break for the White Sox as far as the World Series because you know there's teams that are going to get better. So I think they have their best lineup possible now to contend. And especially with how their opposing ended last year to the Astros, I think they're going to come back with a lot more fire. They're going to be a lot more experienced, and I think that's what's ultimately going to get them far in October. Yeah, there's that. I'm looking at the Dodgers thing and the White Sox. Know, the Tony LaRusso thing still makes me nervous with them. I mean, I think we know he's incapable of screwing something up just by, you know, being Tony LaRusso and being a very disconnect from his roster, but. I'm with you on the Dodgers. All right, let's jump to Arthur. Arthur, you've got Blue Jays over the Braves. Explain your World Series pick. Okay, Blue Jays, there's so much talent on this team, and now they've got some significant major league experience. It just seems like their time. And the Braves, just looking back at last postseason, seemed built better to get through the NL playoffs, in my opinion than the Dodgers are, especially especially having, having lost Scherzer. Yeah. And the Braves? 
Yeah, yeah, the Braves. I, I just think again, they 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 won it all last year, and it just looks like they just seem like they're set to repeat winning the pennant. Yeah, the Braves should be tough again this year. They did get Matt Olson to pick up on uh, the loss of Freddie Freeman. And I hope Ronald Acuna is just as good when he comes back as he was before. Ronald Acuna might be my favorite player in baseball. He, It's him or Tim Anderson. I can't really decide. Maybe it's Ronald Acuna because Tim Anderson plays in the Central, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard to root for him against Cleveland, but he is fun to watch. So I'm yeah. with you on Braves. Yeah. Also, um, I just wanted to <clears> – <throat> Go back to one thing, because you're, uh, you're talking about Zimmer possibly being DFA'd when uh, Naylor is healthy. This is just an interesting thing I noticed, um, tracking a player usage during spring training, about Zimmer vis-a-vis Naylor. In the 11 games before Naylor returned, Zimmer dressed for seven of the games and started them all. Zimmer also dressed for all seven games after that point, but only had three starts. Yeah, that was definitely notable. I think we said that earlier, too. I think he didn't play as much, and he was coming off the bench, and I couldn't yeah. believe he didn't start either of the split squad games yesterday, which I thought was telling. Well, actually, also, I don't – I try to remember, did he not start? Because those are the two I don't have in the um, player tracking yet. He did but not that was, start either game yesterday, no. Wow. So he only made three starts in eight days of uh, of baseball after Naylor came back. Yeah, I, I just thought I'd put some numbers behind the observation. Yeah, definitely telling. I think that definitely backs up that the, the way things might be going. I agree. Pat, I don't have your World Series pick, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody and defend yourself. Um, World Series. Uh, everybody said the Dodgers already, so I'll um, <laughs> go against the grain and do something out of pocket. I'll say I'll go Blue Jays over Mets in seven. That's an interesting one. Blue Jays. I mean, Blue Jays seem to be a popular pick, but no one has said the Mets yet. Yeah, so um, I'm buying back into Francisco Lindor, bouncing back this year. Um, I, I've been doing that since he kind of was hurt all last year. Um, I, I really um, am interested in how he increases walk rate and also kind of got back to um, hitting fastballs like he should be hitting fastballs and back to his old approach that was um, allowing him to become the guy he was in 2018 and 2019. Um, so there, there's that. Um, there are also, I mean – they have a ridiculous amount of talent on paper, and I know it's it's the Mets, and they they mess up. But I mean, as soon as point, one point or later, the other shoe has to drop with them. And this may be that year, it may not. Who knows? The first, second year, is Steve Cohen. Um, but um, yeah, for me, the Blue Jays are just immensely talented with where to be the young guys that they have, and then they supplement it with um with with the veterans, although. They're injury perimeter veterans, um, in a sense, with guys like Matt Chapman and Hyunjin Ryu. Um, it's just it's just an easy pick in the in the preseason for them, just because um, I really feel like they're gonna. Um, I don't know. That's a really tough division, though. Too, but we'll see. 
Um, and it's a tough they division, have, for sure. They have the talent to to beat out the Rays and the, and the Yankees. But we'll have to see. Um, the Yankees, I don't know. The Yankees are kind of shoddy to me this year. And who knows what the Rays are. You can't predict with them. and You shouldn't try to. Um, I've given up trying to understand the Rays. They They've met somebody at the crossroads. That's what they did. They met somebody at the crossroads with a guitar. Um, if you catch that reference, salute to you. Um, if it's not a Bone Thugs and Harmony reference, I'm lost. It, it is, but it's also a reference <laughs> to um, them selling themselves to the devil in order to be good at player development. Okay, okay, I can I can understand that now. Which they is where are. the original Crossroads reference is from. You need to know oh. about the Crossroads. It's from a story about a blues um, guitar player who meets the devil at the Crossroads and learn how to play the blues. It's a, um, it's a black folk tale. I always learn something new from you when we do these, and it's always something about music or movies or pop culture. Every I mean, time yeah, it, it all intersects. You know, <laughs> well, how old baseball is, is, is really so many avenues for sport to intersect with those things because those things were developing while baseball was developing, like especially music, like, that makes me sense. Jazz and baseball go hand in hand to me. I can see that. I've got for anybody curious hasn't read yet, you can uh, check out GuardiansBaseballInsider.com and check out picks and other awards. We'll get we'll go through a bunch of them quick fire and like I said, if anybody else wants to tag in and give a, a reaction on Jose Ramirez, prediction for the season, how you're feeling about the team right now, feel free to request the chat and we'll tag you in. Um, I've got, this is a boring one. I've got Dodgers over Blue Jays. Uh, the Dodgers got Freddie Freeman. They just, uh, um, continue to acquire a ridiculous amount of players. They went and got Craig Kimbrell, who I think will be better again, back in the closers role. I forgot um, they had Craig Kimbrell. Wow. Yeah. What a weird trade, right? The, the, the White Sox lost Garrett Crochet to Tommy John, and they still traded Craig Kimbrell. I mean that's I example why. A right there. Why I'm skeptical about them? They are they are very suspect. You're absolutely right. They make very suspect decisions, and I don't trust their manager, which is why I couldn't pick them to go to the World Series. And I I'm very if this division had any sort of certainty to it, I would have picked somebody else over them to win the division. But there's just too much unknown about it that I couldn't avoid it. But um, I I would love to see the Blue Jays win the World Series. I like. That team, I like Toronto. I like everything about that that system right now, and I think they have the prospects to go out. They need look. They need bullpen help, and I think there's going to be some bullpen help out there. There always is on the trade market. So I think the Blue Jays will use their farm system to add what they need because they have a good one. I just think that the Dodgers are just the Dodgers are, are the Rays of the West in terms of player development, except they have a half a billion dollar payroll and they can do whatever they feel like doing if they decide to do it. And I think that's why they're going to win the world series again this year, especially adding Freddie Freeman. But um, I think Dodgers Blue Jays would be a, a super exciting world series to boot. I think there's a lot of, an, a lot of uh, star power in that world series. And again, if anybody wants to tag in, give a World Series prediction, uh, reaction to Jose Ramirez. I see we got some regulars in here. We've got Zach, Kevin, Mark, Adam. For Adam from the uh, the post game lives that we haven't done in forever, that people keep wanting to to do again. And Jared, um, feel free to tag in if you guys got any thoughts on the Ramirez extension, the season ahead. 
if you're more excited about uh, tomorrow than you were yesterday. Um, let's roll back to Joe. Uh, let's do real quick fire a little bit and wrap this up and see if we can get anybody else to tag in. But Joe, your uh, MVP pick for the AL. Yeah, that's actually what I was about to ask you about. Um, so my AL MVP pick of the Blue Jays, I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, had an excellent season last year. You know, obviously, I think the most popular pick is going to be Shohei Otani. But, you know, considering how good this Blue Jays team has the potential to be this year, and with him at the forefront, I really can't see why you wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He is extremely good. Arthur, you, you want to shout out your MVP pick and why? Yeah, I went with Otani. Definitely, as long as this guy is pitching well and hitting well, he is the most valuable player to his team in the American League. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's hard to pick against him. And, and uh, Willie Hood, who isn't on with us tonight, had some family commitments, also picked Otani, and so did longtime IBI GBI writer Tyler Stosky for Otani. I went with Jose Ramirez, and I made this pick. Um, before the extension, we made these picks a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, really, or last week. I took Jose Ramirez. I thought no matter if it was in Cleveland or if it was in another city, uh, Jose Ramirez was going to have the best year of his career. I think this is the best chance he's going to have to win MVP, and he's going to feel pretty good about it now that he's got some financial security. that He already had it before, but now he's got big-time financial security, and he's staying in a place where he likes, apparently. So that's good. Pat, AL MVP. Boba shit. Oh, oh, that's off the grid. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, I'm really gonna buy in, buy into what he's doing. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a guy, and you know, um, short steps. I can put up a 120 WC plus with a, a BSR of a five are automatic MVP candidates. So I mean, that's who he is, and the glove is 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 passable at shortstop too. So I think he's gonna be that guy. For sure, it is. I'll start I, with they all. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Finish up. Yeah, I I just wanted to just kind of reiterate. I mean, I, I'm I'm always gonna um, buy in on young shortstops that perform well in their first early early in their MLB careers. So, and plus he has the bloodlines. He really has everything. So, super exciting player. I'll move on to AL Cy Young because I'm the only one who took this guy. I kind of want to icon it with different too. I went Kevin Gosman. I think Robbie Ray. Um, Broke out last year, went to Cy Young with Toronto, and Kevin Gosling had a good year last year, and he's with Toronto now. And uh, I think he'll be the MVP – or I'm sorry, the Cy Young this year with a little bit of a repeat, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Pat, we'll roll back around this way. Cy Young for you, AL. Um, I'll go Garrett Cole. Chalk. Okay. I think he's – I think he's – I think he's really due for his. Um, um, I honestly think um, – I, I liked how his stuff looked. Um, I feel like people are kind of overstating the sticky tech stuff with him. Um, and, and instead of just looking at the fact that he probably just had a, a normal year where he had some variance in his year, like any baseball player is. Um, also feel like um, the Yankees pitching development, things like that, but have also gotten better at handling him and understanding him and not trying to do too much and let him be himself and just leave him alone. Um, so I think that's going to be big for him up there. Um, being up there in, in New York too, I think he had to get used to that a little bit as well. And also, yeah, he was having, good at and, and, and not having, um, <laughs> yeah, and not having, not having to deal with Gary Sanchez and all that baggage and things like that is probably going to be good for him also. 
That is definitely a good point. Especially with, Jose, especially with Jose Trevino being one of the better framers in the majors. Yeah, we'll have a couple good catchers to go with him now. We'll see how that goes. Although he likes to work with Kyle Higashioka, so um, you know he can maybe have two catchers he can work with now. Arthur, your AL Cy Young pick. I, uh, I went with Shane Bieber because I'm expecting him to stay healthy this year and pretty much repeat the uh, type of season that got him the uh, the Cy Young last time. He, if he's healthy, I, I don't think there's a better pitcher in the American League. I can see the argument for that for sure. It'll be interesting to see if he does stay healthy. And, boy, that's going to make his arbitration numbers jump up because he's arb two eligible next year. Joe, Cy Young pick. I also went with Shane Bieber. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, he's going to be healthy, healthy this season. And whenever he's healthy, you can guarantee that 10-plus strikeouts are going to come. So, you know, if he can continue to pitch like he did in 2020 and, you know, how he started, you know, maybe in 2021 his ERA number wasn't the greatest that a Cy Young winner would normally have. But when he's on, there are very few that can hit off of him. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think uh, it's going to be interesting early to see how everything gets navigated because the the Guardians and I think other teams too are not going to let their pitchers go too deep early in the season. So that's going to make handicapping the Cy Young race really interesting. Um, all interesting AL Rookie of the Year picks. Uh, let's do these a little bit quicker. We don't have to do the NL because the NL is the NL. We can maybe make those non-explanatory or need, need an explanation for those. Uh, Joe, you want to give us your uh, Rookie of the Year for the American League real quick? Yeah, and before we uh, before I give it, just how, how about the amount of young talent, especially the top of the prospect pool, that have made their opening day rosters? I think you, the top six prospects, excluding Riley Green because he's injured, made their opening day rosters. Which the last time that that's happened, you know, to have all that young talent on opening day, that's a long time you have to go back. But for mine, I went with Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers. I watched him a lot when he was with Erie and AA. They just got one of the best swings of any prospect right now. And he's going to be joining a good team from the start. And, you know, I was really close between him and Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals. But I think, you know, I did pick the Tigers to make the playoffs. And if he's part of that team and has a good rookie season, then – I can't really see why you wouldn't give him the nod because of being on a good team. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's but it's going to be a fun year for rookies for sure. This might be the best rookie class since 2015 when it was Lindor, Schwarber, and Conforto and a lot of other guys in that list. Um, Pat, who is going to win Rookie of the Year for you this year? Um, in the AL? Yeah, in the AL. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Because um, all the good prospects are in the AL too, right? Um, Especially the AL Central. Yeah. I'll go Stephen Kwan. I'll be a homer this time. I was trying not to. Ooh. I was waiting for someone to say Stephen Kwan. None, none of the uh, official writers. I was, I was, I was trying not Kwan. to be a homer. Um, Especially rookie of the year because I'll be a little biased. Um because uh, prospects are, I mean, they're the only really prospects I really know are the green prospects and some of the central prospects too. But um, yeah, yeah, I feel like the fact that Quan is actually getting open and they start is a 
it's a good sign to me with Tito. Maybe I'm overthinking, and um, that maybe I'm being biased as someone who is the same age as most of these guys that are trying to play now. Um, with and Tito's bias against young players. Um, but it, it was something that really concerned me when they kind of decided to let the young guys get on um opening day roster. But um, it's a, and then the fact that he didn't strike out and um the swing changes um. It all aligns with Clement history with what kind of oriented hitters and how they want them to pull the ball more. Um, if any of you have paid attention to my work, I've mentioned that a lot in the past, especially my tweets too. Um, I also feel like he probably has the best skill set to not get sent down just because he's not going to whiff a lot. And yeah, that should definitely for, help. Yeah, that, I mean, that definitely helps for me. Um, he, um, so... One player, I, uh, one player I want to give an honorable mention to that definitely could win Rookie of the Year is Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. The Mariners are a team that was one game away from making the okay, I forgot play. he was. I forgot he was on opening day roster. I would choose him over Quan. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's going to be. <laughs> there are many that wanted him to be the number one prospect going in. They went with Bobby Wade, but you can easily make the case that Julio Rodriguez is one of the most talented players in this class. The Mariners – are going to be yeah. a real problem. The Mariners yeah. are going to be a problem. Yeah, and the crazy thing about Julio is he's kept his speed when it was rejected. He wasn't going to. So, like, he may actually be like a George Springer type where he can split between center field and right field and just makes him much more viable, which is crazy. He was already a stud just by being an all-right field guy. Yeah, that's, that's another one, too. But, um, but it, it was annoying, too. Like, last year, it was like, everybody, wait. He actually might keep his... 55 great wheels and everybody just yeah he has he's he's definitely the full package he's going to be something we haven't seen in quite a while I mean he he might be some kind of lad Guerrero I don't know the senior um, he's a specimen for sure Arthur who do you got for AL rookie of the year uh, Torkelson and I will admit this is a bit of a uh, familiarity pick because I see a lot of the, the Tigers' uh, top teams, both because they, they play against the Cleveland org <clears throat> a lot, and because the the home ballparks of the two uh, top Tiger affiliates are very near Cleveland. So I that's probably, after the Guardians, the organization I see second most is the Tigers. And everything I've seen about Torkelson in Erie and in, has just been impressive. Yeah, you could have gone not, – not a bad way to go, and I think you could have gone with him, Riley Green, and a lot of other ways, too. If Riley Green was healthy, he would have been a popular pick. I went with Bobby Wood Jr. just because I think he's the whole package. Pat was talking earlier about shortstops that have a glove and can do things early in their career, and I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be that dude, and he's going to make the Royals real tough. I'm, I'm really excited for this rookie class, to be honest with you. Like I said, I think it's the best since – 2015. Uh, I forgot Carlos Correa was up in 2015 too. So it's Correa, Lindor, Schwarber, Conforto. There was a lot of really fun uh, prospects that season. And I think this season has a chance to be just as good. Um, let's roll around too and, and do some quick Guardians predictions. This is uh, something we had on the site. Again, if you haven't been to GuardiansBaseballInsider.com, check out all of our predictions on there. Um, and if you're not a subscriber already, I know we got a couple listening in here. Maybe. Uh, you could convince them to subscribe, but we've got coverage from Cleveland to Goodyear this year. Uh, we might even have uh, a writer in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, we might have a feeler out on that. So 
for the first time, we might have literally have coverage from Cleveland all the way down to Goodyear. We haven't had a Lynchburg rider in quite a while, but uh, we actually might have one this year. We got a bite on one, so we'll see. Um, Arthur, Joe, let's start with you again. Uh, who is your X factor for the year for Cleveland? Uh, the X factor I went to, I kept it simple. I just went with Jose Ramirez. I mean, the team's success is going to dictate off of how Jose does. So if Jose is going to be on, this team's going to be good. And, you know, possibly in a position come July where they think about, you know, making moves to not necessarily contend this year, but contend for the future. But, you know, if Jose isn't on, then the team's not really going to be going to have, you know, see success, especially in the rare case that he gets injured. You know, how does this, that affect the team? Sorry, I'm making dinner. That was my oven. But, uh, yeah, I went with Jose as my X Factor. That's fair enough. Arthur, who is your X Factor for the season for Cleveland? And I'm saying uh, James Karinchak because what it is is that the um, – the other thing I see is, yeah, we have Classe, but but other than but the, we really need to get the back end of the bullpen solidified beyond that. And if he can get in and fill in the eighth inning, I think that would yeah that would be a a big um, help to the team uh, succeeding this season. Yeah, they definitely need him for sure. Uh, looks like we got Pat back here again. Uh, Pat, X Factor for the Guardians this year. Okay. Um, Tristan McKenzie. Tristan McKenzie. Okay, that's a good pick. Yeah. So, um, for me, um, I feel like this is a big year for him. Um, with how we kind of got this, this the mental strike drawing strike throwing things correct last year. Um, and, and how long the team's been waiting for him. Um, and just just the ceiling and stuff like that too. Um, it's going to be a big year for him. To me, um, maybe it is. Honestly, I'll switch my answer to Savali as the X factor. That makes more sense just because he's more of a veteran and you have more expectations inherently. Um, that 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 fits a lot better to me. My bad for switching up on you guys like that again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would say Savali for those reasons. Um, he hasn't had a full healthy season yet. Um, he's shown a lot of intrigue. He's changed a lot of things, change up and stuff. He's been messing with so much in the curveball too. Um, it'll be interesting to see him try to take that that step to supplant himself as a full-time major league starter. Um, I'm with you on, on McKenzie. I mean, people forget that he, as good as Cleveland develops pitching, he's a high school pitcher. They've, they've developed a ton of college pitching, but not a ton of high school. So it's going to take a little bit longer for him to settle in, but I think this is the year to do it. And actually, I'll skip ahead to my pick for breakout pitcher. I picked him to be my McKenzie to be my breakout pitcher this year, because I think he's really finally ready to settle into that role. Um, Spencer, you're back on with us just in time to give us your X factor uh, for the guardians this year. Uh, Logan Allen, two years in a row. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, And you're gone. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, So I was trying to decipher which starter I was going to do, but I'm just going to say getting innings out of the same five guys, you know, 
injuries was huge for those guys, so I can't really pick one. Uh, if I can get 150 innings out of four out of those five guys or five out of those five guys, I think that's the X factor of this team. Uh, because like we said, hey, you know, they went 80 and 82 and all the starters were injured last year. So, I mean, if you're getting innings out of these four or five guys consistently, um, you know, even if this team could hit bottom third of the league, uh, you're probably competing in July at least. Yeah, that's the way it really should go. Um, we did breakout hitter and breakout pitcher. I went with McKenzie for pitcher. Um, let's circle back around. Um, Arthur, your breakout hitter for the season for the Guardians. Oh, sorry, I keep pressing the wrong button to um, unmute. Um, the, uh, my, my breakout hitter, Gabriel Arias, I think eventually – yeah, he does get up to uh, Cleveland, and I think he'll um, when he does. I think he'll show that he deserves to be up here. That was a good pick for sure, um, Joe. Breakout hitter for the year. I decided to go with Andreas Jimenez. Uh, you know, he really struggled the first month of the season. He was got sent down to Columbus after batting one seventy nine. Got called back up in August, and then he boosted that to 218 to end the year. Hit had 13 hits in his last 13 games of the season, and you know has looked really has looked well and looked good in spring training. Um, you know, one of the things that Tito had talked about was how you know Jimenez had changed his batting stance, and that definitely has made an improvement on him hitting more consistent. And I think if he can continue that in the 2022 season, he's going to have a much bigger season than people realize. Yeah, he's definitely got a lot of competition to hang on to his spot as well because there's a lot of guys coming behind him, so he's going to feel the pressure. Pat, who do you think is going to be the breakout hitter for the Guardians? I think I know you're going to say, too. I'm going to go on to Tim and this. Um, I like the swing change. Um, once again, he's another contact-oriented hitter that they encourage to pull the ball more. And um, I really close to him follow yeah, at, at home at AAA last year, and he destroyed triple a um after he started pulling the ball um which is something cleveland does and something the theme i'm gonna harp on until they stop doing it and it stops working because it works um so for me that's where i'm at i'm, I'm kind of piggybacking off joe but yeah um that's kind of how, how, how i feel about him um when he was really he's been young for love with his whole career his whole professional career um even when he was in the majors last year um he was kind of he had skipped triple a completely in 2020 and that was a big thing that he that people kind of overlooked when they first saw him was he was still kind of raw even though he was already in the majors he, he had the present skill he just didn't have the physicality and I feel like he's still trying to put it together in addition to um making changes with the swing in order to make contact with more authority more consistently because that's his major issue um so yeah um I also feel like he has a lot of good traits to defense and speed and athleticism is all there and, and all things that Cleveland targets and in, its infielders. I definitely had you pegged for Cavalarius. I I don't think, <laughs> honestly, if he does get some burn, I don't think he'll do that good in his first major league stint, just kind of based on who he is and how he works. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I definitely thought you would go there, but I think you're, that makes a lot of sense. Why not? Um, Spencer, breakout hitter? I mean, I like both those picks, to be honest with you. I think they're both going to get 
a decent amount of at bats this year. I really want to just go and just say it and just be like Valera. I mean, I just think in if he's hitting the same way he did last year, I just think if it's August, he's just breaking down the door, saying like you can't not not promote this guy. I mean, he's 21. Jose and Frankie both came up when they were 21, so I think he's probably just gonna force his way onto the major league roster this year at some point, and uh, we'll be very excited to have Jose and George in the same lineup. I think Valeris. I think Valeris talented enough to do, to mess around and do something like that too. Just kind of base. And I saw his hot streak in person last year, so I mean, that's just I'm a little biased in a sense. Um, but and and I've I've been to bottom a lot too. But I mean, he 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 just has that to me. He has that that aura about him. He has a swagger too. Yeah, yeah mentally, he's smart enough to do it. So I wonder how. Probably how <laughs> I wonder how that fits in with Terry Francona when he gets here, when he gets to Cleveland, how that fits in. The bath flipping. I have some, oh, yeah. I have, I have some, some concerns. Nothing wrong with Valera. I just have some concerns with that meshing. Because there was already interesting conversation about Stephen Kwan. I, I was reading the other day. I forget who wrote it, but basically Kwan didn't tag up on a throw from third to home. Didn't, and, uh, uh, he got a, a bad look from Francona, and they had to talk about it, and um, it seemed like it was a little eh, but um, I don't know. I think Valero would run into some, some issues, too, so I'm very curious to see how that might play out. But, man, that, that would be a lot of fun. I, I would love to see that this year if that ends up happening. Cool. Let's move on to – let's see. We got we got everybody for breakout hitter. Uh I had McKenzie as a breakout pitcher. It looks like Joe, you've got McKenzie as a breakout pitcher. Um, Spencer, who you got for breakout pitcher? Uh, probably Tristan McKenzie, to be honest with you. All right, so we're all going shock. Tristan McKenzie, Pat, Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, McKenzie slash Savali. Because I'm extra. Okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, Let's get to some. I, I had Anthony Ghost in that category. Oh, that's right, you did. All right, explain explain Anthony Ghost, Arthur. And I guess is that because Ghost has been, you know, um, yeah, last year first time in the majors as a pitcher. You know, how does anybody think? Now he's starting to get the pitching thing figured out, and is ready to just burst out like a butterfly out of a cocoon after metamorphosing from a hitter into a pitcher. And I think he'll be one of the better middle relievers on the uh, staff this season. I actually had Anthony Ghost as my X factor because I think they're going to need him to be the second best leader behind Class A. I don't trust Karen Jack right now. And Nick Sandlin had an injury issue last year. He looked okay in spring training. That's the couple uh, outings he had. But I think that they would it would be really beneficial for them in the bullpen. This bullpen's got a lot of questions behind Fosse a ton. We have no idea how good Brian Shaw is going to be again. Like I said, Sandlin's got injury concerns, and he hasn't really pitched a full season yet. And we know Karen Jack's dealing with an injury plus the issues where he didn't get to have the sticky stuff. Uh, I think that they really need Anthony Goes. If this team is going to compete, Anthony Goes has to be the second best believer in that bullpen. Um, I've got Bobby Bradley as my biggest disappointment this year. I feel like he's not going to claim the first base job. Um, I just think that 
he is not going to play well enough. He's out of options. And I think Cleveland was looking for an upgrade and Matt Olsen over the offseason for a reason. And I think that is uh, is going to lead to some bad things, and they're not going to have a first baseman of the future uh, identified right now. Joe, biggest concern for you? Biggest concern or biggest disappointment? Disappointment, concern, either one. Are they both together? Yeah, I'll give you um... – well, I'll give you the biggest disappointment. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. Bradley Zimmer just hasn't been anywhere near the type of player that Cleveland has hoped they would they got when they drafted him. You know, he's got everything that's working for him that should make him a uh, reliable option. He's got size, got speed, but the strikeouts are a major concern, and you know, just can't continue have a great average. I batted two twenty seven last year and then has injury problems as well. But my biggest concern for the Guardians this year is can they hit with runners in scoring position? They didn't really do that. They didn't do that well last season. That cost them a few games, especially, you know, there was a lot of good stretches where they were combined 2-12 and 12 against Houston and Tampa, and they were all in that, and they, all those games they were in. And a lot of it came down to, I think, the one game against Houston lost by two. They were... I think two of 16 with runners in scoring position, I think that game was like, they have 16, 16 like different players are on second and third at one point, and only two of them got in. So for me, it's going to be uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I've kind of given up on Zimmer. I really couldn't say he's a bit a disappointment for me this year if he, if he ends up playing badly and being DFA because I've kind of given up on that train, so it's hard for me to be too worried about him. Um, Oh, no, it looks like we lost Pat. We'll see if he can come back, uh, move back on. Spencer, who will be the biggest disappointment on the Guardians this year? Who do you think? Uh, who's ever batting seventh through ninth for most of the year? Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I would like to just say Jake Bowers for the next five years, but uh, <laughs> if I had to go with one specific person, it's probably Bradley Zimmer, Bobby Bradley. Uh, just uh, Zimmer's never really taken uh, – any step since that little hot start that he had in the start of his career. And Bobby Bradley is still proven that he can't hit an off-speed pitch. Uh, so it's probably those two for me. Yeah. I feel like a year ago we were we were nonstop complaining about how many at-bats Jake Bowers was going to get. And uh, uh, here we are a year later saying Bobby Bradley might not be the dude going forward. It's kind of funny how, how fast things change in a year, how Jake Bowers is a non – non-existent entity in our brains and Bobby Bradley pretty soon might be the same way. I can't believe how fast I that think, happened. I think we kind of agreed that no matter the two, and I mean, let's, let's be honest, like Jake Bowers re- really stunk and he stunk in Seattle too. But we said, Hey, they're probably going to have the same portfolio and they're probably just going to end up both being bad major league players. And besides that one little hot run that Bobby Bradley had, he was a very subpar uh, major league yeah. baseball player, so I don't see it changing this year. I really hope it does. Like I like him, and I like that he works hard. Uh, he's willing to do whatever the team wants him to do, but he just can't really figure out major league pitching, and is going to swing and miss a lot early in counts. So I just don't see it for him. Yeah, I'm with you, Arthur. Uh, biggest disappointment on the team this year? Yeah, biggest again. I went with Zimmer is the biggest disappointment. Not so much from what was expected of him 
going into this season, but kind of just from a career perspective, what was expected of him, uh, you know, versus, you know, what his talent levels end up, ended up being. And I also, at the back of the, uh, uh, bad, the bottom of the batting order, I know that was mentioned as a biggest disappointment. I have that as my biggest concern because the problem is I could see how there could be a solid start-to-back rotation. If everything works out, you could even get a relatively solid bullpen, but I, it's going to take a miracle or some major moves in season to really soar up seven, eight, nine in the order. Yeah, the bottom of the order definitely is is a question mark, without a doubt. Um, the top five seems really good, and I'm curious to see where they bat Stephen Kwan. It's good to see he's in right field, but who knows where he'll bat in the order. Um, who knows what Rosario's going to give him at the top of the order. I think there's a lot of questions in the batting order for sure. Uh, I was concerned about the bullpen, and I was concerned about first base. I think – I don't know. I really don't know how long long of a run Bobby Bradley's going to get this year. I'm not really sure, and um, – the problem is there's nobody behind him you can really turn to if it's not Nolan Jones or if it's not Owen Miller or Yu Chang, which who knows how that's going to play out. But um, that's why it's a concern because they might have nobody to turn to early on and he's going to get a lot of run and it may not be good for them. And then the, the bullpen, look, bullpens can tank every good team. If they don't have a good bullpen, they're not going to be a good team. And this bullpen has as many questions as any bullpen out there. Um, it has potential to be really good. That's the good thing. There's potential for this bullpen to actually be good, but um, I don't know if it's going to be good. Got a late addition to the show. Uh, throwback to the um, post games with John Fanta. It's Kevin Schrock. Kevin, what's up, man? What do you want to chime in on here? Hey, Kevin, you got to unmute yourself if you're trying to join in. You hear me, Justin? Yeah, I can hear you, Kevin. How's it going, man? Justin, I was wondering, what does this Jose extension do for Tito in Cleveland? As far as how long it keeps him around or how he manages the team? As far as how long it keeps him around, I know last year people were wondering. Some people wanted him out of here. I thought that's crazy. But do you think this keeps him around longer? Is that a good thing? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I wonder – it depends on how this team does this year. I mean, I feel like there's no point in coming back for one year if you know the team's going to be young, right? I feel like you would um, – if, if you feel like there's something building, you might as well stick around. But um, I don't know. I, I, unfortunately, I think everything depends on his health. That's the only issue is maybe Jose yeah, being back I, doesn't matter as much. Yeah, from what I've heard, they're pretty much uh, the um, – the front office here will basically let uh, Francona manage the Guardians as long as he wants to keep managing. And it's, that's going to come down to if he's healthy enough to do so. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? We still have Joe around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my thing is, you know, one of the things that was talked about the media availability was how Tito was feeling. And Tito said he feels good. You know, he's taking it, uh, you know, simplifying things a little bit, trying to take it as easy as he can. Um, but 
know, the, I kind of raised my eyebrows about when something was brought up about, you know, people wanting to get rid of uh, Tito. It's like, before Terry came to Cleveland, Cleveland was 68-94 and hadn't had a winning season since 2007. And since he's been here, the team has never gotten less than 80 wins. In fact, this past year was the first year they actually had a losing record, and they were 80 and 82, which two games and they're a winning record. So Tito has made this team consistent every year, and you know he's had one of the best you know stretches for any Cleveland manager. So I think with him this year, as long as he's healthy to go, Tito's not going anywhere. Yeah, Kevin. I think Arthur. I think Arthur also had a good point. I think Joe did too. I think health is is a big determination. I don't know if the Jose thing changes much, but I don't think it hurts. I think it'll make him feel better if they're winning and they have a a guy like Jose sticking around for the long term. But uh, I think it's definitely dependent on his health. Right, and well, and that was part of the reason I was wondering if that's even part of the reason Jose wanted to stick around here is because of Tito. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if if uh, if there was a different manager here that uh, Jose maybe didn't want to play here long term. I mean, who knows? There's it's really interesting that Ho- that Jose was so adamant about staying in Cleveland. This is where he wanted to be. He didn't want to be traded. He didn't want to sign anywhere else. It's really interesting that he he instructed his agent to go and find middle ground was the quote with the team and make kind of make the extension happen. I mean, he took under market value to get it. Let's be honest. So. Um, I, I, maybe Tito plays a factor into that. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I, I would not be surprised at all if, if Francona was a, a motivating factor in that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey man, love listening to you. Uh, just figured I'd drop in with that question. Uh, I'll be listening to you later on in the year. It's good to hear your voice again, man. And uh, thanks for being a, a listener all the way back to when we first started trying to do these things. We'll try to do more of these again this year. I hope so. Thanks, Justin. See you, man. Later. All right. Well, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't think about the Francona factor uh, in the Jose Ramirez thing and about him staying, but um, hmm, that's an interesting way to go. Anybody else got any, any final thoughts before we jump out? If anybody wants to jump in again and just talk about um, – you know, ask any question with the Jose Ramirez extension and, and uh, just your thoughts on the season hand, feel free to chime in. Uh, Joe, any, any kind of final thoughts, bold, maybe, maybe a bold prediction, anything like that. Bold prediction. I say um, my bold prediction is by the end of the year, Ernie Clement is a everyday starter. What position? Um. They're still kind of figuring that out. They're trying to play him in multiple positions, but he's really had quite the improvement, especially here in spring training. And if he's anything like he's been so far, he's someone that can definitely be an impact to this team. He had some signs of flashes last year, but if he can just continue to be consistent, there's no reason why he can't be someone that can be looked upon to be a good piece on this team. That is a bold prediction. All right. Spencer, any final thoughts? A bold prediction, perhaps? Uh, I'll go two. Uh, it sucks that they kind of like play the same position, but they could probably play both corner outfield. Uh, I see a lot of uh, Stephen Kwan's 
Offensive production, very similar to early uh, Michael Brantley. So I'm hoping that'll actually stay true. And I think that Zips kind of projects those same kind of numbers for him. So uh, if he gets the at-bats and they allow for it, I think he hits like that this year. Uh, So that would be very exciting for the Tribe for something like that to happen. And then uh, George Valera hits 35 home runs between all the parts of the organization he's with this year. A double-A, triple-A in Cleveland possibly. Wow. Yep, 35 bombs. We have a George Valera. I don't know. There's been so many members of the George Valera fan club. It's hard to discern who is at the top of that chain. I mean, he had, uh, nine, he had like 19 in like 250 at bats last year. So I'm not too stressed out about my prediction. All right. That right. puts you on the high end of things for sure. But I, I like it. He's a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, definitely get down to Akron and take some of those games in together this year when he's still there. Arthur, any, any final thoughts? A bold prediction? I I have two bold predictions. One has to do with the organization. I predict at least two uh, league championships by Guardians affiliates in the minor leagues. And I, I also, my bold prediction regarding GBI, probably our most listened to space will, will be, uh, will have something to do with, with, with helping because it just seems like our entire reader slash listener base, a bunch of fan club, seems to be the PD helping fan club. And PD then also, my first interview in Lake County. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, um, uh, just uh, to go off of something uh, Pat said earlier, we're talking about baseball and jazz. It's notable that when Ken Burns sought to do a series of documentaries chronicling like many of the uh, core uh, cultural things about America, two of them were baseball and jazz. That is interesting. I don't think I knew that before. All right. Well, I'm going to say my two bold. I'm going to I'm going to go with Arthur and have two bold predictions on this. I'm going to say one, Stephen Kwan forces his way to be an everyday player. Uh, this season, at some point, he is going to be in the lineup every single day, and that's going to be the end of that. Uh, my other prediction, the bold prediction here, is going to be Daniel Espino forces his way into the big leagues this year. And I don't know how they're going to make room on the roster to make that decision, but you know, I think Daniel, that, that's yeah. also one I'm seriously considering. Daniel Espino making the major leagues? Yep. I, I do think he might pitch that darn good. I mean, he was good last year. I don't think he's far off from making like another leap just to, if he improves his command and maybe it's just a reliever to start, maybe they need, you know, Lord knows this team needs any kind of relievers at this point, but they have, they have so many, they have Nick Nikolajek that's in the minors. They've got a couple guys in the minors that could help them out in the bullpen this year. But uh, I expect Nick, Nick Nikolajek to make his uh, guardians debut this season. Um, so I don't, I'm not concerned that a bold prediction, a bold prediction for me would be a spin. I think he's going to do it. And I'll go with what Arthur says too. I think, I think for sure at least one Guardians affiliate wins a championship, and I think it's going to be Akron because uh, Akron's going to be tough in the first half with that pitching staff and um, a bunch of good young hitters. But they're going to get a bunch of good young pitchers in the second half from Lake County because there's just so many coming up. Um, so my bold prediction: Stephen Kwan in the majors and Daniel Espino in the majors. I don't, I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I don't have them making the playoffs. But I think that by the end of the year, I think fans will be excited about the direction of the team 
Uh, I don't have him finishing 500. I think that could change, but uh, there's a big range here. I think it's a 75 to 85 range for them at this point. But I think come September, I think fans are going to be really excited about what they see because I think you're going to start to see a lot of these young players get in the majors, and you're going to see the next young core of this team. And now Jose Ramirez is the centerpiece of that core. And I think go, they're going to build some momentum. I think going into 2023, um, you're talking about a team that should contend for a playoff spot in 2023, um, even though they're going to be one of the youngest teams in the league. I think a lot of good things are coming. So if you have patience, I know I know this organization tests everybody's patience because they're passive and they're risk-averse and um, they're patient. And they haven't spent a whole lot of money. They didn't make a lot of moves this offseason. I get all that. But I'm telling I, I think if you're just patient for one more season, I think they're going to finally just take take the root lid off this thing, and they're going to let these young guys bust through the system. And I think you're going to finally see what they've been building the last couple of years. And I think um, the next several years beyond this are going to be really exciting, and um, you're going to see some playoff runs coming soon. So, uh, hopefully we see a lot of young players this year because, look, the worst thing you can be is is not young and mediocre and boring. Nobody likes that, right? Um, so if you take anything away from the season, if they're not a playoff team, you know, enjoy um, Stephen Kwan. And I don't mean I don't mean enjoy jokingly, but enjoy some of these young kids coming up and and get ready for the next wave of the core because I think I think by September you'll see what's coming. Um, in the next year. Uh, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Joe, you want to chime in with one more thing, it looks like? Yeah, and another player to definitely watch this season and someone I think is going to, by the end of the year, be, you know, uh, on the roster possibly contending for that starting spot is Brian Lavasita. He's going to start the year as the backup catcher. Uh, Miley is hurt. Uh, so he's going to, but last year, this time last year, Lavacita was the catcher in Lake County, and now he's on the major league roster for the opening day. And he's someone that, while Bo Naylor struggled, he, Bo Naylor's the number one catcher currently in the system, but, and struggled last year. So it was really a time for Lavacita to, you know, really improve, and he's improved tremendously. And he's someone that, at the end of the year, you could be looking at as someone that, possibly could be contending for that starting catching position next season. Yeah, I would agree. This this uh, organization is not exactly flush with catchers, and Austin Hedges is not around next year. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so someone's got to step up, and he can really hit if he makes any kind of improvement or gets the team to trust him defensively. Um, I do think that's definitely a possibility to be one of those young guys, and uh, Brian Lavastida breaking out would be possibly would force the, the the team to make a decision on Bo Naylor because he's forty he's rule five eligible this coming winter, um, whether they trade him or not for something. Because I mean, having too many catchers isn't a, is a good is a good thing, obviously. But uh, those are the only two this organization has right now, so I don't know what they'll do with that. But uh, definitely a, a motivating factor there. So this feels like a good place to wrap it up. I know we had some technical difficulties. Uh, with the first one, so thanks if you sat through that and uh, waited for us to get this thing going. I think it was a good conversation. Thanks to Pat for joining us, uh, Spencer, Joe, Arthur, uh, Brian Shaw, the weatherman, not the reliever. Well, that would have been interesting too. Uh, buddy Brian Fisher from earlier. Um, 
for all of our regular listeners, Zach, Kevin, Adam, Mark, uh, Kyle, Jared, uh, Travis, all the guys that stuck around for this. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate your interest. Uh, I did record this so it can be listened back later in case you miss anything. Uh, you can try to listen to the earlier one if you, if you want to. It, it might be kind of a mess. I don't know. We'll see. But thanks for everybody's interest, and uh, hopefully this will give us a good avenue to do this again. I can't promise how often we're going to do this. Um, maybe we'll get Joe to, to lead some of these things after games since the Guardians are going to be his beat uh, this season. So um, thanks for tuning in, and check us out again. Follow everybody who, who spoke tonight, and uh, make sure you sign up to be a subscriber to IVI. Or IVI, I still have to break that habit. GBI, because we've got a lot of good things coming this year. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Wow.